Good morning, everyone. I hope that you are having a great Sunday morning. And I uh, want to welcome everyone to our Sunday worship service. If you're visiting, uh, just know that you are our honored guests. And uh, we would love to get to know you. And um, if you're looking for a church home, uh, we would love for you to consider leaving Avenue Church of Christ. We have a great spiritual family here. And also, especially uh, as college, WKU and Sky, you know, starts back, uh, we want to welcome any college students that are among us. And uh, uh, we hope that you will try to be involved with us, our uh, young adults ministry here. Um, We've got a lot of things planned for us uh, this semester. It's going to be fun, and it's going to be very uplifting. So we want to welcome everybody. Uh, I'm standing up here, which you know by now by protocol, that means Neil and Harm are not here. <laughs> and uh, I'll be filling in for them. So it'll be me, David Chang, and this, uh, tonight it'll be David Palman. So two Davids holding down the fort uh, while Neil and Harm are gone preaching the word uh, in Sevierville, Tennessee at polishing the pulpit, uh, which also means uh, I'm not Neil or Hiram, and I need my notes, so I'll have my notes up here. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten down to memorizing my whole sermon thing down yet, so. Did you know that the ability to stand on one leg for more than 20 seconds is a sign of good health? Uh, for those of you who have mobility issues because of health reasons, uh, diseases, or um, just injury in general, uh, you know how challenging even just standing by yourself can be. So it, it goes without saying that being able to stand on one leg for more than 20 seconds, though a lot of us may take that for granted, it's a really good sign of good health. Um, and because of that, uh, we use balance, right? When we say balance, uh, we kind of think of that, right? Uh, at least for me personally, when I think of the word balance, uh, my mind goes straight to uh, somebody standing on one leg. And in fact, we've seen this kind of images before where uh, somebody's hitting the, the iconic tree pose. If you know yoga terms, that's called the tree pose where you tuck your one foot onto your standing legs, inner thigh, and, and you put your hand together either in front of you or above you. I can't really do that because of my jacket, but... Uh, you know, when we think of balance, a lot of times our mind goes to this kind of image. Everything's tranquil, it's calm, it's peaceful. Everything's just right. You know, this woman, she is standing on an abnormally smooth and round large rock, and she is doing yoga on top of it with the beach in the background and a beautiful sunset. A very stock photo, uh, photogenic kind of uh, image of balance. And a lot of times when we think of balance, our mind goes... To this. However, is it true that life sometimes doesn't feel like this picture-perfect stock photo of a woman doing yoga with the sunset in her background? Is it true that sometimes life doesn't feel as tranquil and calm? Life sometimes feels fast it feels like everything is going by so quickly. I think about this year. It feels like it was January, like a month ago, and it's already August. We're in the middle of August of 2022, and we're, we're staring down uh, at 2023 coming up very soon. 
you know, you have CYC, you have uh, 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 LADS, CAMP, and then boom, boom, boom. You blink a couple of times and half the year has gone by. Life feels very fast. So sometimes, you know, it's, I'm not saying that you can't have times when you feel tranquil and feel calm and stable in your life. And maybe you can relate to this picture of a woman doing the tree pose on top of a large rock with the sunset in her background. But can I suggest to you that a lot of times life feels a lot faster? Like that. A sport that always impressed me in, uh, in my younger years is motorcycle racing. When I was younger, I would watch videos of of, uh, you know, like the Grand Prix, you know, the motorcycle, uh, I don't know what you would call it, subdivision or whatever, uh, and, and these, these bikes racing, and it made my heart pound, because watching these guys make a turn, have you seen motorcyclists, professional racers on motorcycles going around the very tight turn? You know what they do? They tip all the way over on one side, the side that they're turning into, and their knee is almost scraping the pavement, the track. I mean, they are going at hundreds of miles per hour with other people all around them. I've had many people relate to life, uh, to something like balancing on one leg, doing yoga in, with the sunset in the background. You know, some relate in terms of balance, some relate life to, you know, walking or even running, just casual things. There are plenty of illustrations about balance. And usually when we think about balance in our minds, it automatically goes to images like the person standing on one leg, hitting a balanced pose. But I think we can all agree that sometimes life does not feel like that. Life feels a lot faster. Life feels a lot more chaotic. Life throws a lot at us. And in fact, a lot of times it feels like we're on a two-wheeled vehicle going 200 miles per hour on a track that's winding. And you know there are more challenging turns coming up. Life feels like that. Question is, how do we find balance when life seems like we're on a motorcycle speeding down a track? How do we find balance when life feels like you're in a tight race and there are 10 other racers who are do trying to win and they're trying to knock you out of the race? How does, it, how does it feel to find balance in a life where you feel like you're coming up to a very tight turn on a motorcycle going 200 miles per hour and if you don't hit it just right, you just might flip out and end up in the ditch with injuries, potentially fatal. I suggest to you that life is full of changes, and you know this. I'm, I'm just a 24-year-old guy. You don't need to hear from me to know that life is full of changes. It's full of transitions that become challenging. Changes within ourselves, changes around us in our communities, uh, with, at our workplaces, at school, changes in our society at large, changes around the world. So many things are happening, so many things that are out of our control. How do we find balance in that? This year we've been looking at the theme of building balanced believers. I hope that you've been paying attention and you know that that's our yearly theme. And we have heard many different lessons, if you remember, throughout the summer, uh, during our summer, summer series, various speakers talking about various aspects of our lives and how do we hit the, that balanced state in those aspects of our faith walk. 
Today I want to look at, I want us to look at finding balanced, finding balance in our spiritual walks when there are so many transitions and changes in our lives. Finding balance amid transitions. This is not something that we can put off either, right? Because a lot of times we like to say, you know, when I'm done with X, Y, and Z, I'll get to that. You know, I'll get to finding balance in our lives. If you're a, uh, if you're a high school student, you might be thinking, oh, you know, I got a lot of work, uh, a lot of homework, quizzes, tests, college to worry about. So I'll, I'll take care of that, and then when I graduate, you know, and, and I, I have my freedom finally, I'll, I'll think about balance. I'll think about my spirituality. I'll think about all these things. Maybe if you're a college student, you might be thinking the same thing. You know, I got a lot of homework, a lot of quizzes, tests. I have my, my graduations coming up. I have to think about all of these things. So I'll, I'll find balance when I'm done with college. And then you go to graduate school. Maybe you're pursuing PhD. I don't know, whatever. Or maybe you're in the workforce and you're thinking, oh, I, my, I'm at the early stages of my career. So I need to establish myself first. So I'll do that and then I'll find balance. What if you're a young family, right? Just starting a family. I, we have a newborn, like, he or she takes a lot of our time, so we'll worry about them. And then when they're grown up and when they're more stable, we'll find balance in our lives. I hear laughter. That never happens, apparently. <laughs> uh, or maybe you're older, um, and you're, you're going through that empty nest stage, right? Oh, when my kids are finally all out of my house and, and they're off to college, then we'll have more time to ourselves. Then we'll try to find balance. Looking forward to retirement. You know, after I'm done with my career, I'll have more time. Uh, apparently, that's not true. But when that happens, I'll find balance. You see, this mindset of someday I'll find balance in my life keeps pushing the necessity back further and further and further until it's too late. You're on your deathbed or you're in your final moments of life and you look back and you find a life thrown all out of balance. You have been pushing this back too far, too long. And when it's too late, a lot of people look back in their lives and they say, oh, I wish, I wish I had the wisdom to find balance in my life when I had the chance. So it's not something we can push back. And there are many examples of people who go through transitions in the Bible, but none stand out like Joseph. He was loved by his father, Jacob, and was blessed with prophetic dreams early on in his life. Unfortunately, however, because of his innocent honesty about his gifts, uh, he buys the jealousy of his brothers, and his brothers, uh, overcome with jealousy, uh, sells Joseph into slavery. His own, their own brother, they sell him into slavery, and he finds himself in the matter of uh, days, or maybe even weeks, he finds himself going from a beloved child of a, a, or a loving family to a slave in a foreign country. In hindsight, Joseph could recognize that the evils of his brothers and his own sufferings came together ultimately for the greater good, and that God worked through the circumstances of their lives for his own will. Our uh, scripture reading that we, we just were read to. 
And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph understood that. At the end of his journey, when he was established, when he became great, when he became powerful, he knew when he looked back that God worked through his life. But it must have been tough when he was sold into slavery. It must have been tough when he found himself not a, a, a beloved son, a favorite child of his father, but a slave to an Egyptian master. It must have been tough when he was accused falsely of assaulting his master's wife and was thrown into prison with nothing to his name. It must have been tough when he was forgotten for two years when his fellow prisoner promised him that he would get him out but forgot him. How did Joseph do it? As we try to navigate our many different types of transitions and changes in our lives, I think Joseph's, this period of his transitional phase of his life, where he goes from a favorite child to a servant in a foreign country to a bunch of strangers, I think his conduct, the way he held himself and the things that he did and the things that he kept in his mind during this time of his transition, I think we can glean a lot from that as we think about our own transitions, our own changes in our lives, and what we can do to keep our balance when life feels like this, like you're going at 200 miles per hour on a two-wheeled vehicle. Let's examine five things. Five things that Joseph did in his time of transition and the lesson will be yours. In his time of transition, number one, Joseph kept himself holy. Genesis chapter 39, verses 10 through, or 8 through 10. Sorry. It reads, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in his house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as he spoke to, and as she, Potiphar's wife, spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. We all know the story about Joseph. Joseph comes to face or comes face to face with temptations from Potiphar's wife each and every day. Potiphar's wife, you know, she she abuses her her power, a position of power, and and targets Joseph. Joseph is a handsome young man. And, and this is absolutely terrible because he has no social leverage. He is a slave. He's a servant. What can he do in this situation? It's a lose-lose situation. It's either he goes along with Potiphar's wife's whims and gets in trouble anyway or deny her temptations, reject it, and get on her bad side. Now, Joseph rejects Potiphar's wife and her temptations each and every day. And because of this, like I said, it's a loose-loose situation. Potiphar's wife becomes frustrated, and she falsely accuses him of trying to assault her. And because of this, he is thrown into prison. Now, at first glance, this doesn't seem like a good example of finding balance in a time of transition because Joseph ends up in prison after Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. That's not a small deal. However, even when his circumstances were not ideal, Joseph continued in integrity and purity. Joseph's holy conduct is rewarded by God 
throughout his life. And everything that he touched, everything that he did, he found success. Whether he was in a household of an Egyptian officer or in prison. Because of this, right, Joseph found favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison when he was thrown into prison. In fact, he continues to find favor in the eyes of many who come across him. His balance was not affected by the rapid changes in his life. Because think about it. You go from being sold into slavery, from being a favorite child of your father, to being sold into slavery into a foreign land. And you think things are relatively okay because, you know, you, your master finds favor in you. Because you, you, you do things and things are successful when you do them. And you think you're finding a little footing in your life. And then, boom, his wife decides to falsely accuse you. And you're thrown into prison. Right? Rapid changes, transitions in his life that he could not control. And yet, every turn, every step, Joseph decides for himself that the one thing that he can control is his conduct, is his holiness that is reflective of God's holiness. And he does exactly that. No matter what situation he is in, whether he was in Potiphar's house or he was in prison, or he was serving under, or interpreting the dreams of, of Pharaoh. Wherever he was, what circumstances, it didn't matter. He remembered to be holy. I find it interesting that this uh, sandwich between Genesis 37, which is a chapter in which Joseph gets sold by his brothers right, into slavery, and Genesis chapter 39, which is uh, where Joseph is rejecting Potiphar's wife's uh, temptations, Sandwiched in between these chapters is chapter 38. And if you know, if you have read Genesis chapter 38, it is a terrible story. It is a, it is a terrible story. It's about his brother Judah and his daughter-in-law Tamar. To summarize, Judah, in times of distress, turns to sexual immorality. And unbeknownst to him, he commits this sexual immorality with his own daughter-in-law. Albeit unknowingly, but it is because he put himself in that situation that he finds himself in such a disarray in life. Thrown out of balance. It's terrible. And then you see Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. He was a slave. He was supposed to be destitute. It's a terrible situation to find oneself in. And yet he decides to be holy and keep his holiness. And even in those circumstances, he finds success in what he does. It's telling. It's ironic that one of the brothers that sold Joseph into slavery, Joseph, ironically, was supposed to be the one who was destitute, out of balance, with all the transitions, the rapid-fire changes that are happening in his life. He was supposed to be the one on his knees, and yet Joseph is the one who finds success. And Judah is the one who commits terrible acts, and his life is thrown out of balance. Keeping ourselves holy is important. It needs to be the first and foremost thing that we do. I debated for a long time whether to put this point first or last. But I think it belongs in either position. But I wanted to put it first because it is the one thing that we often forget, that we most often forget when challenges come to our lives, when things become tough, 
is keeping ourselves holy, finding our identity in God. Right? When things become tough, we start to cut corners. We cannot do that. Joseph didn't do that, even when he found himself in the midst of slavery, imprisonment. He knew that that was what he needed to do first, is keep himself holy. And God blessed him for it. Number two, Joseph went to work. He kept himself busy. Chapter uh, 39, verses 2 through 4. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had caused, Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. We know that reading further into Genesis, that this becomes a pattern where Joseph is thrown into a circumstance that is supposed to be terrible, that is supposed to be destitute. But instead of throwing his hands up and saying, God, I can't do this. I, I, I just can't do this. You put me into these fiery trials. You, you put me into slavery. You put me into prison. I can't do this. I can't do this. Instead of saying, I can't do this, Joseph goes to work. In Potiphar's house, in his household, he does such good work that Potiphar puts everything that he owns, his whole estate, he puts Joseph over it. After he was falsely accused and was thrown into prison, what happens? He's so good. He is such a hard worker. He's so, his conduct is beyond approach, or beyond reproach, sorry, that the prison keeper puts him over other prisoners. And then when he is called to Pharaoh, and he interprets Pharaoh's two dreams, he does good work, he is diligent, and Pharaoh puts him over all of Egypt. He, is, he becomes second only to the throne of Pharaoh. It's interesting that Joseph, in his times of transitions, in the changes that he faced in his life, that should have brought him to his knees Instead of going down to his knees, and I'm sure it was tough. I'm not saying that what Joseph experienced was something to just brush off. But because of that, it's even more telling that Joseph got up and went to work. Right? He didn't throw his hands up in these circumstances. Right? Because a lot of times the, temptations, the, t- the temptation for us when things become tough when there are so many things that are happening in our lives, so many changes within ourselves that it becomes overwhelming, the temptation for us to, is to go to either extreme. Either throw our hands up and say, I can't do this, I'm too overwhelmed, or overwork ourselves. <laughs> Sometimes we do that too. Now, I'm not saying that there is no value in recuperating. Right? The, a burnout is a real thing. We need to learn how to rest so that we can be effective in the works that we do. However, when we become overwhelmed with the changes in our lives, during our transitional phases of our lives, it may sound paradoxical, but putting ourselves to work and getting busy is actually really beneficial to us, and especially when it comes to kingdom work. I used to read these parts where it says that God blessed Joseph with success, And I used to think, well, you know, 
Joseph was just special. He, he's a biblical character, so he was special. God loved him especially, and he gave him these things. And it's easy to interpret these texts like that. But think about this. If Joseph hadn't gotten to work, and if Joseph wasn't doing, putting his hands and feet to work, could God have blessed him with success in what he wasn't doing? I don't think so. You know, God's not going to move heaven and earth to give you success that you're not working towards that we are not working towards, right? That's not the kind of miracle that God is in business for. God gives us success when we put ourselves to work. God gives us blessings when we are willing to step up despite our circumstances, despite the changes in our lives, to put some elbow grease into it. Joseph understood that, and he did it. And because of that, God blessed him with success, and it opened new doors for him. When we keep ourselves busy, we will find purpose, and we will keep our focus on the important things. And that's going to help us find balance in the times of turmoil when there are so many changes happening in our lives. Number three, Joseph utilized his gifts. Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, it says, They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. And then in chapter 41, verse 16, Joseph says, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Joseph not only got busy, but he also knew to utilize his God-given gifts. He could have been easily traumatized by his gift because remember what got him into this situation to begin with. It was because of his inter interpretations of his dreams that he was innocent and honest about, that he told his brothers and his parents. It was because of that he got into this situation to begin with. It drove his brothers to jealousy, to madness, to obsession, to a point where they tied him up and sold him into slavery for him to just go wherever. They didn't know. And he winds up in, in a foreign country in Egypt as a slave. I wouldn't have blamed Joseph if he was traumatized by that. If he thought, well, if I, tell, if I use this gift that God has given me, then I'll end up in trouble again, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to go through that again. I wouldn't have blamed Joseph for thinking that, for doing that, or hiding his gifts. But he didn't do that. He understood that the gift that he got from God was irrelevant to the troubles and the challenging circumstances of his life. That was the decisions of others. That was something that he could not control. What he could control was what he could do with himself, how he could conduct himself, and what to do with the gift that God has given him. And he chose to go to work and to work the gift that God has given him. At every, whether it was in prison with a bunch of other prisoners, or whether it was with Pharaoh, one of the most powerful men in the world at his time. He used his gift. He did not hide it. He did not diminish it or dismiss it. He didn't just, you know, poke his head in the sand and say, I'm not going to deal with this anymore because look where it's got, gotten me into. He understood that gift was from God. And he used it. 
In Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes to the respective audiences about utilizing their spiritual gifts in the service of God. In fact, Paul is a big fan of using the, the illustration about the human body. And it's many different members, but it's also uh, uh, oneness, right? As to uh, explain the relationship between the diversity of the body and the, and the individuals in the body and the oneness of the spirit of the church. Joseph was one man in an extreme circumstance, utilizing his gifts to do good. It got him where he needed to be, right? If he was scared, if he was too afraid to use the gifts that God had given him, do you think that the doors would have opened for him, for him to be able to go to Pharaoh? I don't think so. It was because of his interpretations of others' dreams, utilizing this gift that God has given him, understanding his purpose and putting it to work. It was because of that that Joseph was able to go through these open doors. It was because of that these, these doors even opened to begin with. In the sense of transitions, it can really be easy for us to kind of drift, right? for us to go on cruise control and just do mindless work day in and day out. It's easy to be overwhelmed with these transitions and just do the bare minimum when everything around us seems to be changing so quickly and so rapidly. However, Joseph's story teaches us that even in times of distress and challenging circumstances, we must be wise to utilize the gifts that God has given to us for good work. Not only will that help us to stay focused, like just staying busy and balanced, but it will also open doors to other opportunities that will take us to the next step in our journey of faith. Number four, Joseph glorified the Lord. And I, I chose the same uh, verses for this, uh, especially chapter 41, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So furthermore, in the same passages, we can see that every time that Joseph utilized his God-given gifts, he did not credit himself for doing so, he gave glory to God. And that's really important. Because God was pleased with Joseph. Because all the good deeds that he did and the, the credit that he was giving to God. Because it wasn't by Joseph's own power or ability that he was able to interpret these dreams. It was God's gift that, that was allowing him to do that. And Joseph understood that. And give credit where it was due. And God blessed him for it. When my life gets busy, it is easy for me to kind of uh, shut my brain down, right, and go on cruise control uh, and just take care of business, right? But everything we do, we have to be intentional. And in being intentional, we have to know that our credit for our work needs to go to God. Because it's not by our own strength that we do these things. I know as we become more established in life, and I'm, I'm a very young man, I get it, but as we get more established in our careers, in our family lives, in our social stand, or, or standing, in all these things, all these various aspects of our lives, as we get older and as we get more established in these things, it's easier and easier for us to slip into the thinking of, hey, I did this. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, my career, I'm, I'm making this career what it is today. I'm making my family into what it is today. 
It's easy to slip into that mindset, especially when there are so many overwhelming things around us that are pulling our attention away from God. But Joseph's story teaches us that in everything we do, especially when, it's when we are utilizing the gifts that we have within us, that God has given us, we have to give credit to God. And that will keep us balanced in our spiritual walks. And lastly, number five, Joseph kept his head up. Now you'll notice that there is not a passage listed up there. And it's because that we can read of many things that Joseph did. But one thing that Joseph did not do was complain. He did not go down to his knees and beat his chest and ask God why. Now, I'm not saying that we can't ask God questions. There are many instances in the Bible, many examples of people asking God, why? Why am I in this circumstance? Why am I in this situation? What did I do to deserve this? God does not punish you or punish us for asking questions. Instead, he is merciful, he is graceful, and he will embrace us with loving understanding. However, it is telling that Joseph, in his situations, in the circumstances that he found himself in, in these times of rapid changes and transitions, he not once complained. He did not once look up into heaven and say, God, why are you doing this to me? Not one time. He instead just got busy. He got to work. He glorified God, kept himself holy, and did all these things, even when things were terrible, even when everything was going wrong in his life. Now, to summarize the life of Joseph within the chapters of a book means that a lot of the smaller details were taken out. So am I saying that Joseph was perfect and he was flawless and there was not even one time where in his mind he had doubts and questions? I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm sure that Joseph, because he was also human, that he had those moments of weakness. But I also think it's important that the author of Genesis, Moses, writes about Joseph in a way that emphasizes his positive attitude, emphasizes his positive outlook on life, emphasizes his focus on God rather than the circumstances around him. And it tells us something about how he kept balance in his life, full of transitions and full of changes. When your focus is on the one thing, one being that is constant, one being that never changes, and if your life and identity is based on that, then it doesn't matter what happens around you. Will it be hard? Will it be challenging? Yes, it will be challenging. I'm not taken away from the fact that life is challenging, but when our focus is on God, when our identity lies in God, we can keep our heads up. As we close, I am reminded of the apostles in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, when they were beaten for proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, and being thrown out, they rejoiced. After being beaten, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. I'm reminded of Paul's charge to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, and pr- by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or what about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, right? Among Paul's final instructions to the Thessalonians in his first letter to them. And above all, I am reminded of Habakkuk and his prayer at the end of his book, which he prayed despite knowing the great suffering that the Israelites would face with the upcoming exile. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on their vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Life is undoubtedly challenging as it is. But as we realize that life is not standing still, we have to come to terms with the fact that we have to find balance when life, even when life feels like we're going at like 200 miles per hour and everything is changing so fast and it becomes overwhelming. Even in those moments, we have to learn to find balance. And it is not by our own strength. Many have tried and many have failed to wrestle balance into their lives with the things that are temporary, with the things that are, are artificial, that, that's man-made. That's, it's not possible. They find out that those things, the comfort that they provide, are also temporary. And it can't possibly fill the God-shaped void that is in all of our hearts. It is not by our own calculations or cunning planning that we can avoid trouble either. We will run into trouble. We will run into changes. We will run into transitions. Even if we ourselves are perfect, picture perfect, like the woman doing the tree pose in that stock photo, even if we are like that, the world around us isn't. And one day or another, we will run into unexpected change and transitions. How do we keep balance that. From Joseph, we learn that we need to keep ourselves holy. We need to get to work, utilize the gifts that God has given us, glorify God in all circumstances, and keep our heads up. Do not wrestle unnecessarily with the things that will eventually fail you anyway. Get a head start in this race of life and learn from Joseph's story that no matter what life throws at you, that you can have balance. Like those professional motorcyclists going at blinding speed. Somehow they don't flip over. They don't end up in the ditch. And they make those turns really nicely. We can be like that. Even when life feels like we're on a speeding motorcycle, we can find balance. We just have to do the right things. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we want you to know that we want you to be a part of this balanced spiritual family. But there is a warning too. You can't find balance. The balance that, that, that will literally save you, you can't find that balance unless you are in Christ. And you can't be in Christ without having put him on the watery grave of baptism and continuing a life that is faithful to that calling. We hope that you will consider that about your salvation and your balance in your spiritual life. If you are a Christian who has already been baptized and is walking that faithful life, it is easy for us to be thrown out of balance. 
The older I get, the more I understand. It's hard, it's difficult. But it's not impossible. Because God calls us to it, and he gives us the strength. Jesus gives us the way to find balance in our lives. He has already taken the first step, that that first step of sacrificing himself so that we may have that second chance. Don't squander that and end up at the end of your journey thinking back, I wish I had found balance in my life. Find it right now. Whatever it is that you need this morning, I hope that you will make it known as we come, stand and sing.